Hello and welcome to The Buffy Buff. I am your host Zoe and I've created this podcast simply because I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I love talking about it. And since that's not something that I can do with people face to face right now, this gives me a chance to talk about Buffy to my heart's content while getting to talk to people that adore the show as well. However, having said that, during this episode I'm going to be talking to a Buffy virgin to see how it holds up 24 years after its first airing. So uh, my first guest, Rob, um, hadn't seen Buffy until I announced I was doing this podcast. And we thought, what better way to kick things off with someone's introduction to the Buffyverse? Um, so hopefully we'll get some interesting insights and first impressions. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this relatively spoiler-free in case anyone's listening and hasn't actually watched Buffy, Buffy before. Um, such as yourself. Yeah, yeah I don't want um, spoilers. Yeah, um, but you might already have... Some knowledge of Buffy, because it has been around for over twenty years now. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, basically, just the characters' names and people that people that may have been in it. Well, that's about it. I don't really know anything no about the story. No real plot points or anything. Nothing at all. I mean, that's I'll, good. yeah, I'll come to my notes uh, <laughs> later. But I was. I mean, one of them here says there's more than just vampires. So I didn't. I literally thought it was just vampires for the whole. Oh right, how many okay. Seasons it is. I mean, it's baked right into the title, but yeah. Yeah, but I literally thought I thought it was like Blade, where it's just one person, literally just battling vampires the whole time and nothing else. So, I, I'm guessing there's a lot more in store for, for me. That'd be right. Um. So, what are your first impressions of like the main main? Um. Well, that's a broad question, but I i mean, well, obviously Buffy is the main, main character. Um, I mean, I liked her. I think I feel like she's she's very confident, but not like headstrong. Um, seems like nothing really phased. I mean, she's obviously she comes into the episode not really caring about the fact that she's the Slayer. Um, if anything, she's trying to escape it. Um, but then... You see that she's obviously really quite confident. She get she naturally gets along with the cool kids. Uh, one of my notes here, by the way, is Cordelia's a cunt, and I, <laughs> I, I, wrote, I wrote that even before she she encounters Willow at the the water. Before fountain. she even insults Willow. Yeah, it was just the fact that she said, "If you want your very own textbook," I was like, "Who the fuck's this very own?" Can I swear on this, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I've already said cunt, so yeah, <laughs> that's eighteen rated already. I was going to put an eighteen rating on this because I I get quite <laughs> passionate about this and I will start to swear, so that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but so yeah. Um, so you know, she's she's naturally quite. Uh, I mean, it helps that she's kind of like. I mean, when she walks in, Xander and he's checking her out, so they're already like, "Oh, hot girl." So I feel like she's quite well balanced already because she's naturally gets in with the cool crowd, but she doesn't really care about that. I mean, she when she talks to Willow in the bar about um, I can't remember the exact thing she says, but it's like, see, is it seize the moment? Yeah, seize the moment. And then when she sees her seizing the moment with uh, what she thinks is a is a vampire, then now she 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 feels guilty that she's you know put her in a bad position. So she's more concerned about. Um, 
taking care of someone she's just met than, you know, trying to look cool or anything like that. So, yeah. So, Buffy, I liked... Um, obviously, the, the fact that she's funny. I mean, it's, uh, it's the only thing I know about Joss Whedon, if that's the way... Yeah. <laughs> is my main experience is with his Marvel stuff. So, I knew there was going to be quips and stuff. So, oh, so yeah. she, she's, she's got an answer she's for everything. She's the queen of quips. <laughs> yeah. She has an answer for everything. And it's quite funny. Uh, and she's probably, like comic relief as well as the main character in a lot of ways um and yeah i mean this it's probably maybe too early to tell about the others uh it's weird because it's kind of i'm watching it now in 2021 and this was filmed in the 90s yeah it was 97 the first season 97 so you've got you've got these like tv tropes um which obviously I don't know, they, they, they're not fitting into the stereotypes. They're probably more like they created the stereotypes. But then what, mm. looking back on it from 24 years afterwards, um, you know, a lot of them fit into those those kind of roles. Um, you got the, the shy, nerdy one, Willow. Uh, I don't really know what you'd class Sandra as because I thought it was going to be more kind of skeevy and be trying to get into Buffy and stuff, but it just seems pretty okay, to be honest. Um, yeah, Xander's pretty cool. Jesse was a bit of a dick where he gets to come up and see <laughs> me. Uh, and yeah, I mean Giles is cool because he's because he's English. I don't know if he, I don't know if he amplifies <laughs> that, his that Englishness. Is, <laughs> that's the the only reason he's cool because he's English. <laughs> what would you say you enjoyed most about the episodes that you watched? So you watched the first two. Uh, welcome to the Hamar and the Harvest because they obviously are back to back episodes. Yeah, well, it's like a double bill, isn't it? Yeah. Because at the end of the first one, it says to be continued. Um, yeah, I like it, and like you know, like I just said, it's obviously twenty four years old now, but it still holds up. I mean, it's obviously a little bit cheesy because it's a TV show and it's not like cutting edge, whatever. Um, but it still holds up. I was still entertained. Um, sorry, I'm just having some wine. <laughs> oh, that's nice. There are some pretty cheesy elements, sort of early on, especially in season one as well, um, where it goes a little bit over the top on a couple of things, but they kind of find a really good balance, sort of later on, yeah. with the with the cheesiness. Um, like for instance, some of the language that is used by. Some of the students is a bit over the top. Like you would never hear anyone actually speak like that. Oh, right. Okay. Like, you know, when they're having the conversation in the locker room. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Neg. And I oh, thought that. I was and, oh, Neg Lee. And it's like, no one actually speaks like this. I did think that when I wa- before yeah. the guy falls out of the locker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought, I wonder what they were saying. And I thought, is this some kind of like link, cool lingo that they used to have in the 90s that I'm just. Too old and uncool to get. I think but. it was actually quite over-exaggerated, but yeah. they, they do balance that out. But um, I think what the, what's the sitch kind of sticks around with it, but that's just what's, that's what's the situation. That's still a thing today. Yeah, yeah, that's still a thing now. Yeah, yeah people say that. that. So I, I, I'm sure I've said that at some point. What's the sitch? guess that's how slang is created, though, isn't it? People just stay, say random shit and you either get, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Or people go, that's pretty cool, I'm going to use that. Yeah. And then it just sticks around. I'm not saying it's like tongue in cheek or anything, but it's it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is part of the charm. Isn't no, it? no, yeah, that yeah, exactly like you say, like part of the charm. Like 
some of the the future episodes are like they are very tongue-in-cheek yeah they go a little bit too far but those are like the the comedy episodes and then you know well i'm hoping well i'm, I'm guessing purpose. and i'm kind of hoping <laughs> that there are one or two thing episodes where it does get a little bit serious and then because of the fact that it's a bit most you know mostly kind of light-hearted that there are some heavier elements and it might there is there is a, a a very good balance I think between the super dark yeah. episodes and the more serious episodes and then sort of the the lighter episodes. It's like I don't know why this comparison came to my head, but it's like we both like Home Falls and Horses. Obviously, that's oh, comedy. Yeah, yeah. But then when you, on the odd occasion that you do get kind of like a um, you know a, an emotional part or a sad scene or anything like that then it carries that extra weight because it's it's such an extra you know it's more of a contrast from from what it is usually whereas nowadays everything's dark and gritty isn't it every yeah every tv show is like the dark night or something it's all super serious so it's all kind of there's no light and shade it's just shade so i've forgotten what what the original question was now to be honest it was it was actually what did you enjoy most about the episodes I was gonna say like I can't I couldn't say that the action scenes or the makeup because they're dated, but they're not they're not actually that bad. I did they're think, very good for the nineties. Some of the prosthetic makeup that was on there and I did think, um, and this is weird, but I've written this down as well. So the guy, so Luke, the um, the vessel. Yeah. For some reason, I kept thinking of Michael C. Hall, who's the guy who plays Dexter. Dexter, yeah. And I don't, I mean... I can confirm that it's not him. I didn't think it would be, because it's probably before I can see where you're coming from. But also, like, he's, um, I think he's widely regarded to probably be quite an attractive guy, Dexter. I mean, that's part of his... So you don't actually ever get to see Luke without his vampire face. Yeah, but he's got, like, this, obviously, the the over-exaggerated... Uh, eyebrows mm. and then like these fucked up teeth that make him not be able to talk <laughs> but then I was like he looks exactly like Dexter somehow um, so yeah I just I just thought that was weird but I couldn't get out of my head I just kept thinking why is Dexter attacking Buffy <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so uh, what was your least favourite part about the episodes that you've watched um, least favourite well probably some of the characters uh, I guess the, I don't I don't get what the um, headmaster was about because he was I mean, he's a pretty weird dude anyway. Um, but he was dead nice at first, and then he tears up the the, the record, you know, like a um, high school record. And then he looks at it and then tapes it back together, and then from then on he's a bit of a cunt. Like when he's when she's trying to get out of school and he's like, "What are we? What do we think we're doing?" And all that. And then obviously, like I've said before, Cordelia is a cunt. Um but I did I did enjoy one the one scene with Cordelia in when they're in the nightclub. And it's after the bit I mentioned before where Buffy's going after Willow because she's she's gone away with this vampire, this possible vampire. And then she's kind of going around the corridors, uh and she ends up getting Cordelia by the throat thinking that she's the vampire and then once she obviously Buffy realises and then walks away Cordelia's with all the girlfriends and she's like oh hold on a minute I've got to I've got to call everyone I know gets whipped out a cell phone with a big aerial <laughs> like 90 style and uh, yeah it just made me think being a cool girl was a lot lot more work back in the day before Instagram and Twitter 
Like you literally have to manually call everyone you know and tell them the, the details. So, I mean, I guess she's earned uh, she's earned a status, but still, what Cordelia? It's interesting that you you don't like Cordelia so much, but she she brings up two of my uh, favorite quotes from the episode that I actually use in my day to day life, and that is, um, "Don't you have an elsewhere to be?" Oh, I know the other one. <laughs> Something about childhood trauma. What is your childhood I've, trauma? Yeah. <laughs> because I, on a daily basis, I will meet people well, that have clearly got some deep-seated trauma. You've used and that on me before as well. Is, I wonder what's going I actually? Yeah. <laughs> there you go, then. That's where I've got it yeah, from. Yeah, I wonder what was happening. I <laughs> can't remember why Cordelia says that, though. It's, uh, it's when Buffy... Bu- oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, throat, yeah, yeah She says, what's your childhood trauma? <laughs> and I... I I either, I either say it out loud to you. I can't remember what circumstance I said it to you, but in my head I De- say it on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> because people are coming at me with, you know, an attitude of a child and like, what happened to you? <laughs> you know? Were there any insights to the supernatural world from previous sources that don't translate into Buffy, if that makes sense? Or like... Well, I mean, up to, up to now it is only vampires. Um, I think they mentioned garlic... I'm pretty sure that when they're walking through like the tunnels, yeah, she says something to Xander about garlic, um, and how she had to fight one off with a little exacto knife. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So the the club, the nightclub that they go to, is called Bronze. If that nightclub would have been called Silver, would the vampires not have been allowed to enter? Because <laughs> yeah. they would have been obviously like allergic to it. There is actually. They could have saved themselves so much trouble if they were just. Rename the night. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you even call a club bronze anyway? That's like third best. Silver's at least, you know, cool and shiny and and it repels vampires. I mean it does kinda of look like it is in a portal cabin though. You've seen like the the outer cladding looks pretty Oh yeah. Yeah. It's in the bad I, part of town as well. You can't have to And I'm not sure what's going on. Town. <laughs> They've got this like the bouncer dude, the doorman, he's collecting all the money and like because at mm. the end when, when this vampire squad shows up He's like thumbing through all his notes. He's like, yeah, I made a killing. Like, does he own... It's probably just his garage or something, isn't it? It's just... <laughs> a pretty impressive garage, though. Oh, yeah. To be fair. Oh, another thing. In that, I mean, this is just because I watch too much TV and movies and stuff, but when they first go into that club and there's a band playing and they're playing like a really, I don't know what, uh, pop rock kind of 90s song... And the band that's yeah. on stage is definitely not playing that song. No, they look like it, a they look like a Brazilian <laughs> death metal band or something, like Sepultura. And then they're like, I can't remember the song, but it's like really cheesy. The the um the bands that they have in Buffy are sometimes real real bands. Oh really? Um, so I've got I've got in one of my many Buffy books um a reference to a band called Sprung Monkey. Well, that's good so plan. I think they were probably they're probably a real band, but it probably was dubbed over. At yeah, the, you know, at the same time. I mean, they look they look like they were playing a real song. It just, um, yeah, it didn't look like it was the song that was coming out of the episode. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It just it's just something I noticed. But then I did. Um, this also is not probably not what you made the podcast to talk about, um, like the content of the show, but just from a technical aspect, like I noticed that. Obviously, it being from '97, there were scenes like where Giles talks to Buffy in the corridor of the school, and like the ADR, which is like automatic dialogue replacement. I think it's done in in a lot of movies and stuff nowadays, but it's just less noticeable. But obviously, like 
for the film scene, but because there's so much going on around them, the audio's all like, you know, they've got people talking in the background noise, so they're just re-recording in the studio. And that was a bit kind of like fourth wall breaking, but that's just me nitpicking because of, like I say. I think you're probably like one of the very few people that was going to pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's just like stuff I do, and, you know, like audio stuff and stuff like that. So that's just me taking myself on the episode. It's probably not relevant. But to be fair, um, an- another one of my many bu- Buffy books that I have got actually mentions that they had to reshoot all of Sarah Michelle Gellar's scenes mm-hmm. because she played Buffy a little bit too angry to oh. begin with. So I don't know if that actually plays into what you're talking about oh. in, in terms of like dubbing over dialogue. So if they want to just keep the good scenes that they've got with yeah. the characters and just reshoot um, SMG. Um, yeah, it SMG. Yeah, she's got to be abbreviated See, as SMG. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, but to me at this point, it means submachine, submachine gun. gun. Yeah. yeah, Maybe if I watch a few more episodes, I might start. I mean, she's a playable character in one of the Call of Duty zombie things. And really? she picks up, um, whenever she picks up an SMG, she goes, an SMG for SMG. Uh, you know, so she, oh, she, just... Before it goes out of my head, we have to yeah. give a shout out because this obviously is something I showed you. Yeah. Um, if there are any Buffy fans that haven't seen the video for Dark All Day, I punch it. Oh my god, I was going to bring that up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I just thought before it before it went out of my head. But yeah, it's going to be in a very specifically musical themed episode. I was going to mention that people need to watch that. <sighs> Well, it can get mentioned again because it can't. It can't be mentioned enough. It's a fantastic song. And it's a, um, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, all the videos are really cool, but it's uh, it's uh, vital to watch that if you're a fan of either Buffy or Blade or good music. Or the Lost Boys. Or the Lost Boys, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're in the chorus and they're in the video, so I need to watch Lost Boys again. I've only ever seen it the one time. But... Same. Enjoyed it though. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. But it carries some of the same things that Buffy does. That it, sometimes it's a little bit cheesy. Hmm. Speaking of lost boys, so Xander's friend Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um. When when he's trying trying to hit on Cordelia, this is before anyone's mentioned a vampire whatsoever. He says, um, something like, uh, you know, do you need? I'm here if you want a shoulder to cry on, or even want to nibble on. Which I thought that's like some mm. weird foreshadowing there. I was thinking she would turn into a vampire oh. and you know nibble on his shoulder, yeah. quote unquote. But then obviously it's the other way around. He's trying to. Well, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like you were saying before, this isn't the way people speak. Is that is that something people would say back in the nineties, or is it foreshadowing that they? Given the amount of foreshadowing that there is in Buffy, it could have well have been, but it is a little bit too early. Yeah. Like in. In the season to really tell. Another thing, sorry, um, with that guy, he, well, number one, definitely uh, became cooler, well, obviously he became cooler as a vampire, but, you know, like, in confidence-wise and stuff, but um, he looked cooler. And another thing is, when Giles was saying to Buffy, um, you know, you should have this um, intuition of how to spot vampires just in a crowd without them changing form or anything like that, I thought, I could do that easily. Just just look for the cheekbones. They've all got like ridiculously <laughs> high cheekbones. Uh, 
apart from Angel, I mean, I, I don't know Angel's story yet at all. Um, but I mean, he obviously he's like quite a chiseled dude. But all the rest of them in, in those two episodes, if they had like really pronounced cheekbones, they're going to be a vampire. So just like having a gay dad, aren't it? But, but for vampires. Well, here's a note though: her mum doesn't know she's the Slayer, so um, she's got to that point. What she's sixteen, she's got to that point in life. Obviously, she's got a bit of a history burning down a gym at the last school, so she's killed some vampires and stuff. Um, she even she even seems a bit jaded with it, so it's not like that's her first uh, experience of slaying vampires. She's already bored of it. She's like, I don't want this. It's like you said before, like, she was obviously used to being quite a popular person, and then she had her calling... And her life drastically changed. Um, and anyone that goes from popular to having to having this dark secret. Wants yeah. to get rid of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, you know, changed her entire life. She's had to then move away from all of her friends, like she says. She, she used to go to a Henry High School in LA where she was, like, massively popular. And then she's had to move towns to what is apparently a small town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one, a one Starbucks town. A one Starbucks town, that. apparently, that has its own airport and many, many graveyards. Yeah, I thought that. I mean, surely <laughs> in, in the however many seasons there are. How many? There are seven seasons. Seven. In the seven seasons that there are, there must be multiple, like, venues and, like, locations that can't all be in the school yeah. or bronze nightclub <laughs> so it can't be that small of a town I mean nowadays if Buffy came out they probably would do like a Buffy LA prequel wouldn't they or something so you, unless I don't know if that's something you get flashed I mean, back to it does get flashed back to yeah um, and there is also the Buffy the Vampire Slayer film mm. which was um, Joss Whedon's vision of Buffy kind of got taken over and that's what led to Buffy becoming a TV series. And you kind of got to be, like, thankful that that actually happened because if he'd have been successful in making his one film, would he have ever carried on the story um, and we wouldn't have been left with something that is entirely so much better than just the one film would ever be? Well, I guess it's... A- in that way, it's ahead of its time, isn't it? Because nowadays, you've seen a lot of um, stories fleshed out over several seasons, obviously, you know, in TV shows, where they could have been movies. Well, not they could have been movies, but they might have been movies, and they might have had a two-and-a-half-hour runtime, and then, you know, you don't get to see all the characters fleshed out and everything and the storyline. So, yeah, maybe in, it, in its own way, it was ahead of its time. Um I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that like Breaking Bad or something, uh, there's you know there's there's one big TV show that was supposed to be, um, always green lit for a movie, before it was ever a TV show. And yeah, the same kind of thing. Like how how could you sum up like a universe as big as that in in a two and a half hour film? You couldn't really. Yeah. So the so the Buffy film never got made then. It no, it it got made, but it. It just wasn't what Joss Whedon ever envisioned. Right. Um, and there's there's a reference to it, again, in one of my Buffy books, is that, um, so when we're watching The Harvest and she takes on Luke towards the end and she uh, tricks him 
she's like, um, she breaks a window and she's like, oh, you forgot oh, that yeah. one thing. Daylight. Daylight. And it's not daylight. And she's like, oh, it's in about nine, hour, nine moron. hours. Moron. Yeah. That was supposed to be like part of the original Buffy film. Okay. Instead of her being so, and she was supposed to defeat the main villain in that film with, you know, like outsmarting them as opposed to being what he quotes as a bimbo with powers. Ah. You know, so she was always supposed to be like smarter and, you know, Appear than what she was made out to be in the, the film. What's the quote that Giles says? So there's all, there, there will always be one slayer or something. Into like. every generation, a slayer is born. And there can only be one. Mm-hmm. And she will have the power to yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I thought, I mean, as you know, one of my favourite, if not my favourite uh, movie of all time is The Matrix, um, and I thought, well, that was 99, so is it possible Is it possible that the, the Matrix is inspired by Buffy? Because they could, if anyone's seen The Matrix trilogy, they could, there's only ever one, the one. Like, Neo is one of the one, you know, the ones. Uh, I think there's been, I think he's the seventh or the eighth, I can't remember the top head. But there's only ever one living at one time, and he's the only person with the power to defeat uh, the agents and this, that, and the other. So, it, you know, it strikes some similarities between those two. And there's probably other stories. So, this is what I was saying before about watching it 21 years after it's, came, after it's come out. I've already seen these um, motifs kind of repeated and copying and stuff. Um, so, it's not original to me, but it's like. Am I seeing where this all came no, from? Yeah, Buffy definitely paved the way for like a lot yeah. of the like the sci-fi and things that we see today. Um, and you say the Matrix, but um, with the the chosen one is like a big theme in a lot yeah. of fantasy films now. Oh, of course, and, and there's always and a prophecy as well. There's always a prophecy, and there's always a chosen one. Looking at Anakin, Skywalker. <laughs> So in Star Wars, yeah. in Lord of the Rings, that in Harry me, Potter. Oh, sorry. In um, well, no, there's not a chosen. There isn't a chosen one in Lord of the Rings. There is. There's the ring bearer, and he's mm. he's he's a whiny little bastard. <laughs> but for some reason, only he has the strength to, to carry the ring, and Sam doesn't, yeah. which I don't agree with. But Harry Potter, when I remember reading it in the box, and then as soon as the prophecy came up, I was like, oh man, it was like it was a big thing at the time. Everyone's like, oh, there's prophecy. And it, to me, it feels like it takes away from the character, the actual strength of character of the, the you know, whoever the chosen one is. Because it's like saying, oh, it's your destiny, it's your fate, it's preordained for you to be the one that, you know, overcomes this evil or whatever. So that's why you're going to do it, just because you're meant to. Not because you, not because you've, like, challenged yourself or... Worthy. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, you're the special one. You've got the special powers, so... Or do special things, you're gonna you're gonna succeed because it's already. It's kind of like reading the ending before you read the middle. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you will win. Just go and see how it happens. And I think again, coming back to the Matrix, that she does say that in um, the Oracle says, "Sorry to derail uh, the Buffy mm-hmm. the Matrix, but uh, the Oracle says to Neo in Reloaded." You've already made your decisions. It's just you know it's up to you now to understand why you've made them. So I mean I don't know if that happens in Buffy. I can't really uh, 
comment without uh, that's a yes spoilers, that's unfortunately. A yes. That's def- that it's, it's not a yes or a no, but I can't I can't comment without it presenting spoilers, sadly. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remain spoiler-free for our first episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can't guarantee I'll, I'll watch uh, more episodes at the same pace that we watched them last night, because we watched two, the first two back-to-back, didn't we? Um, I'll try and, I mean, obviously, as you get more, more guests on, I want to know what you're talking about, so... <laughs> Be, uh, I mean, the first season is only 12 episodes. Only 12? Only 12. As opposed to how 22. many? 22. 22. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can probably watch like an episode a day for a year and be done in, in what, the maths, it four would... years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Oh, you'd want to watch more than one episode <laughs> a day. <laughs> I would yeah, hope, probably. anyway, if you got further enough into it, that you would want to watch more more than one episode a day. I'm sure I would. I mean, like mm. I say, I enjoyed the first two, and um, but yeah, I mean, it's also it's just something that I, it's the kind of show that I never would go and what to watch on my own. Um, I never watched. I think I watched maybe maybe the first season of Supernatural, and a lot of people have told me that Supernatural is quite. Similar in ways to Buffy. I've I've never watched Supernatural, but everyone that meets me and learns how much I love Buffy goes, you should yeah, watch, watch Supernatural. Supernatural. Yeah. And I just still haven't. <laughs> so the the only problem with shows like that, that is that I kind of, in TV shows, I like, I like it to be a linear storyline that it's moving from episode to episode in a certain direction and that it's not Scooby-Doo style kind of... <laughs> you know, here's the new, here's the villain this week. Yeah. And oh my god! Back to normal. Yeah. Which I feel like, and this is what happened with American Gods. To me, the first season was epic, and then the second season it was like they were just going on this road trip of, is this villain or this you know this person is this mm. person, and it got boring for me. But then saying that, uh, Mandalorian has done that recently, and I feel like it does actually end up going in a direction. Um, it's hard for me to compare Buffy to you know because I've only seen two episodes, but I'm just hoping that if it's tw- what twelve episodes for the first and then twenty two after that, it's not just kind of you know here's this vampire, here's this ghoul, here's this. It simultaneously does both. Right. It will have um, what they call the monster of the week, but it also will build to like you know, the whole point, the whole climax oh, okay. of the season. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you notice what, like, when I see people taking masks off of people, or oh, it was all Metro Johnson all yeah. along every week. Um, I don't know. Uh, they they won't have mentioned it in the episodes yet, but I've already mentioned it myself. Is that they are referred to as the Scooby Gang? Oh, really? Because oh, they Jesus. go. Right. Oh, ruined everything. <laughs> oh, it's all right. No, no, no. It's <laughs> it's interesting that you've brought I that wonder, up. I wondered that without knowing that it? that's why they're called the Scooby Gang, but oh, because right. because very early on in 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 Buffy they do go you know yeah. un unmasking to. I mean, it's yeah. probably the thing is. Like I said, it's not it's not the kind of TV show I would normally watch personally, but for a lot of people, it make well it makes sense because obviously you, you're exploring the universe, you're seeing what's what kind of things are, are out there, what kind of cause if you've got a universe that people enjoy, then by all means take your time 
going around and seeing what different things there are. Doesn't have to. You don't have to push narrative all the time. Kind of like Game of Thrones season eight. I was just about yeah, to like, bring oh, we, Game of yeah. Thrones up because I I know it's one of your favorite TV shows was. to a point. And then they went, oh, now we uh, we know the end now. We'll just fucking rush towards it, fucking hell for leather, and just ignore all logic and well, we don't uh, we we don't need to. Oh, we won't go many, into that. That would be an entirely watch. separate podcast. <laughs> but um, Buffy, you know, it it doesn't do that. I would, I'd like to confirm. Oh, and uh, something that I did ask you whilst we were watching it, there was a bit when they were underground or wherever in Hellmouth, or well, in Hell, uh, with the master, and there was there were two like extras in the background mm. who didn't who weren't all vampire face mm. up. And I said, are they familiars or, or are they just, you know... No, just vampires. Just not, not yeah. in vampire mode. Are the familiars in Buffy? No. They're I not. mean, I, I doubt there's anyone listening that doesn't... If you listen to a Buffy podcast about vampires, you, you might not know what a familiar is, but to my understanding, a familiar is someone who wants to become a vampire. You know, a mortal who isn't, isn't a vampire... But hangs around with the vampire and like does all the bidding in the hope that they will be bitten and then, you know, become a vampire. Oh no, to to me a familiar is something that presents itself to like um like an expert witch or oh, something. Really? Yeah. I think um, my knowledge of vampires comes from Blade then. Yeah. That's what familiar is in Blade. They'll have a tattoo and it'll they'll they'll basically be a servant and a slave for a vampire. And they'll do everything that they're asked in the hope that one day they'll be bit. Um, there could, you, there could the, be, in, be the potentially well. people like that in, you know, the Buffyverse that exists just to... There are people like that in this world that we live in. <laughs> <laughs> they're just not um, sucking up to vampires. That's sucking up. Hey, oh, puns everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm sure the film what we do in the shadows is there's a familiar in that. It's like a woman who just does all these washing and stuff, like wash all these pots and stuff, and she does all the cleaning. And then she's like, "Oh, any chance you can bite me?" She's like, "Oh, I love you." No, I love you. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna try and do a Kiwi accent, but I thought I don't no. want to butcher it. Too late so now. So I just did kind of a half American, half Kiwi, and just butchered it anyway. Too late now. Too, yeah. Oh, I've just seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't print enough pamphlets. You know. <laughs> Peace off, guys. Thor, Luke, my 69, called me a dickhead again. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I, who would I be from Buffy then? Which character am I? I mean, apart from looking like Angel. I'm going to need uh, three to five working days and I'll get back to you. Jesus Christ. It's serious analysis that's going on over here. I feel like if I'm not, no, actually, I was going to say, I feel like if I'm not instantly like identifiable as one of the characters, then you just, you, you're like, oh, we could have saved him. But the fact that you can't just pigeonhole me into, a, into a, oh, you're this 90s character uh, trope. That I think that's I'm, probably I'm, a good thing yeah, that exactly. I can't just like go, exactly. oh, you fit into this slot perfectly. Oh, phrasing. <laughs> um. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, definitely an eighteen-rated podcast now. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's a good thing you should have personality overlaps, I think, as a, a th- <laughs> over 30-year-old. Because <laughs> if you were just... I, I'm sorry. I'm to bring me that down to earth. I'm sorry, but if you were still behaving uh, like as a 16-year-old, that would be more cause for concern than being able to go, well, yeah, sorry, you're exactly like this person from this TV show as a teenager was. I'm sorry, but after this podcast, I was about to go and get a bottle of white lightning and go and sit in the park. <laughs> so you can not act like a 16-year-old all you want, but I'm going to complain with my yo-yo. I was getting pissed. Anyway, yeah, but so, so you could have said um, that I'm closest to Giles here because I'm English and I'm... I've read some books. Oh, you see, you read books. I definitely yeah, read books. I feel like you would have taken that equally as offensive as me. No, because I know how much you like Giles. Yeah, I like Giles. But... <laughs> you like Giles' book? No. <laughs> no, I'm not attracted to Giles. I just think he's like one of the best characters. You're one of the best characters in... Life. This girl's life, yeah. <laughs> well, at least I'm not fucking Luke, because he looks like Michael C. Hall, but after an allergic reaction or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, to summarise, my last question to you would be, if you had to give a summary to someone that had never seen Buffy before, yeah. what would you say to them? Um, I would say, you're in for a fucking ride, well, I would say, I mean, obviously it's a cult classic, everyone, uh, well, it's not even a cult classic because it's quite quite popular, so it's a, you know, everyone knows about it, it's it's part of pop culture as it is, even without having watched it like, like I haven't, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's enjoyable if you're into your, you're quipping and you're just reading and you're kind of Avengers-style dialogue but high school. Actually, we've already fucking... Sometimes I even... Did I write it down? I feel like it's kind of like the original Stranger Things in a way. Oh. Shit, I can't believe it. I don't... Because you've got the whole Hellmouth thing. You've got, like, this small town mm-hmm. and you've got this part of the town that's... Uh, I don't know, like a, a portal to a, another world with evil things coming through it. And then you get this like ragtag little bunch of teenagers. Because they are still teenagers, but like in, in Stranger Things, they're like teenagers, aren't they? Absolutely. Like, 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah. And then in, in Buffy, they're 16. There's, there's and Buffy, the young adults. But they're still they're only kids, aren't they? Um, yeah, I did, I did think at that point. So if you like Stranger Things, you can watch Buffy. Because. It's already it's already there. You binge watch it. You have to wait for season four. That's what I'd say. Plus, and, um, in young person's vernacular, it is the OG. It's lit. G. Oh it yeah, it's OG. OG. Yeah, and it's yeah. fucking lit, fam. And I love it. It's lit, you know. <laughs> and other things. What did they say on TikTok? Uh, we're both too old to know what yeah. people. It's um, <laughs> stay woke and watch this lit show, fam. <laughs> That's what I'd say. <laughs> Very wise words indeed. So on that note, 
like to thank you very much for coming on this very first episode of the Buffy Buff Rob and an extra special thank you for making the jingle that you can hear at the start of this podcast. And to everybody that's listening, a huge thank you to you as well. In our next episode, we're going to be delving further into season one. And if you'd like to be uh, on the show itself, if you just let me know through our Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash thebuffybuff, let me know your favourite characters, seasons, episodes, these favourite characters, uh, and we'll get you on the show. Thank you once again. Bye.